From the Allen Slate Radio Institute at the Faculty of Communication and Design, this is the Ryerson Today podcast, where we look at the people, ideas, and culture of Ryerson University. You can also hear it on CJRU 1280 AM. I'm Will Sloan for Ryerson Today. The local news never stops, but sometimes news venues do. We've all become used to hearing about the shuttering of local newspapers, especially those that are subsidiaries of larger, struggling companies, leaving many communities without local newspapers for the first time. But the internet and social media have also challenged our perceptions of what local news is and what constitutes journalism. In the midst of this changing landscape, the Ryerson Journalism Research Center has launched an interactive scholarly publication to explore issues facing local news. Titled The Future of Local News, Research and Reflections, it's an online peer-reviewed journal that brings together research from journalism scholars from around the world to consider the role of local news both in Canada and abroad. If we're living in times of disruption, this project takes advantage of that spirit with a new media approach that encompasses articles, videos, podcasts, and interactive maps. To discuss the project, I'm joined by Asma Malik, Graduate Program Director at Ryerson School of Journalism and co-editor of the journal. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. How'd the idea for this project come about? The state of local news has been a real interest of, the, of our Profs in the Journalism Department, and the Ryerson Journalism Research Center is very much uh, focused on the problems in local news. And April Lindgren, who as director of the center, came up with the idea in 2017 for a conference about the state of local news. And um, we had about 100 people from around the world come and talk about the challenges faced by news organizations as well as communities that are suffering from the loss of uh, local news outlets. So we had a conference and we had all these people come together last year. And it was sort of an evolution of those conversations and those discussions. So we thought that really in terms of understanding um, the different currents that are affecting the landscape, we thought that maybe approaching it from a a new media perspective um, to go beyond the conference and to disseminate this information, not just for scholarly journals or for conferences, but to actually make this information accessible to audiences would be the way to go. I could probably guess a few of them, but what were some of the recurring problems facing the industry? Well, I think you touched on this um, sort of increasing corporate ownership. I mean, specifically in Canada, we're dealing with this as a real issue, Um, the closure of local news organizations by larger corporate entities and sort of the problems of once you don't have local owners in a market, they're less invested Other things are technological. Um, People are getting their news from more sources than ever before. And there is a sense that, you know, people don't just live in their communities. They live sort of in this broader world. You know, when there's more money, there's more um, there's more content for people to um, to access. What gets lost is the more civic minded content, you know, the information they need to live in their communities. Also, like increasing polarization of media is a big one as well. This sort of idea that with Brexit, with the election of Donald Trump, this sort of idea that people are kind of content with what they can get and what reinforces what they think. Right, they're in their silos. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, those are a few key shifts. Are are there big opportunities? 
I think so. I think the opportunities aren't as monetarily big. Like, it's not like, you know, there's going to be a big payoff in local news. I think the payoff would come with increased civic participation, um, really healthy democracy, things that you can't really put a price tag on. So if you're, you know, so one of the things that we talk about, part of this uh, publication includes, you mentioned videos uh, produced by Ryerson journalism students who actually, after last year's conference, went out into the field and actually interviewed local journalists in Ontario. And one of the um, places they went to, uh, they went to Halliburton, which is a small community year round, but in the summer, it, you know, it, um, the population increases with its cottage country. Uh, a lot of people come from the city to go there. But for the people who live there year round, there's a real need to cover the stories that happen when, you know, the cottagers aren't there. And what they found was that it's actually a very healthy and robust news ecosystem. There are three newspapers that serve the county. There are two radio stations, and they're all locally owned. And that's been kind of the key to maintaining that sort of sense of civic participation. That, you know, Statistics Canada found that in, that Halliburton County has the highest rates of poverty in Ontario, which you wouldn't think of when you think of the summer in Halliburton. But for the people who live there year round, including seniors, people need to cover issues like health care, like poverty and inequality. You know, it's not just a fun place. People need to actually know what's going on in their community. I remember a few years ago, I used to work at a local newspaper in Woolwich Township, and it was actually in 2013, it was a two newspaper town. There was one that was a Metroland paper, and there was ours that was independent. Anyway, the Metroland paper has shuttered since then, but the independent has kept going. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also think that oftentimes people who run newspapers also like the idea of running a newspaper, and they, they like the idea of having a big influence in their town, or they like the idea of having an editorial. So, you know, if it's not kind of a faceless entity controlling it. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and actually, in one of the one of the journalists in the Halliburton video talks about you see the people who read your newspaper, like your, you know, the news that you produce at the grocery store on the street at the liquor store. This like you're accountable in a way that mm -hmm. you're not, you know, if you're a corporate entity. Have ethnic media outlets been affected in the same way as so-called mainstream local news publications? Ethnic media are usually concentrated in larger cities, so they keep up with immigration and growing diasporas and growing communities. Hasn't been necessarily the same in terms of shuttering, like local, like ethnic media shuttering. I think it's changed in terms of television and radio and you know other digital outlets becoming more relevant, but I don't think it's it's necessarily gone through the same shifts. So what are some of the highlights of the research? You know, just to sort of pick up on what we were talking about in terms of corporate ownership, one of the pieces done by uh, Mark Edge is a deep dive. Um, he's a professor at um, in Malta, Canadian professor in Malta. His work uh, looks at the closure of uh, newspapers in BC and how Really, the way in which two entities, Glacier Media and Black Press, dealt with with closures in NBC really should be investigated by the uh, the Competition Bureau, similar to what's going on in Post Media and Torstar. And um, so he sort of makes a very compelling case for that. It's very relevant given that Post Media shuttered, I think, six titles last week, and uh, right. a few of them are now digital-only outlets. Other articles that we've been uh, dealing with, April Lindgren, who I mentioned earlier, who's director of the Ryerson Journalism Research Center, has done extensive work in the local news poverty map, which is an interactive crowdsourced map that shows news outlets that have closed, um, not just newspapers, but radio stations, TV stations across Canada, and really gives you a real-time sort of 
perspective of what's going on. One of the videos that we had from uh, one of the scholarly videos we had was from Tyler Nagel and uh, Out West, where they were looking at uh, coverage of a particular news event, the Crystal Serenity Cruise. How is it covered? How is it covered by um, northern outlets, local outlets versus the CBC? That kind of thing. So that was really interesting in, in terms of coverage. Uh, Joy Smith, who's a professor in the School of Journalism wrote a really interesting piece about how in the past local news outlets have been real drivers for charity and local charity, things like, you know, the Santa Claus Fund or, you know, camps for kids in the summer and that kind of thing. And how with the closure of local news outlets, that philanthropic aspect of civic engagement kind of gets lost mm-hmm. because that connection to community, you know, in this case expressed through charitable giving and in, in activity is kind of disappearing. Another piece looks at the news ecosystems in the U.S. and sort of um, by Phil Napoli at Rutgers looks at how uh, sort of the health of news ecosystems across a state by state analysis. And one thing they found was that the population of the state had a big impact on the amount of coverage it actually had and the health of the journalism in the state. So that was very interesting. The project really takes advantage of the possibilities of new media. Could you talk a little bit about how you came upon that approach. Yeah, I think um, myself and my co-editor, um, who I hadn't mentioned at this point, but I should mention, uh, yes. uh, Jakers Hodson um, at Royal Roads University, and you know who's who also has a piece actually in the publication, and that's the podcast uh, about election coverage in Nanaimo, BC, and whether Twitter was actually a suitable um, or an effective, um, you know, way for for uh, residents to get their news on the election. Local news is something that everyone has a stake in. This isn't some sort of rarefied journal um, that doesn't have a broad public interest. Mm -hmm. And so we were really trying to figure out what is the most effective way to reach stakeholders. And I think to some extent, we're all stakeholders when it comes to local news, where we live and how we consume information. So it was really essential for us. You know, we've created a medium publication where we've been posting some more conversational takes on the articles. we we, like you said, there's podcasts, there's video. We have videos from the students, which, you know, aren't scholarly videos. They're engaging pieces of journalism, short docs. And we just wanted to make sure that anyone who has a vested interest in local news has access to this information. Local news has traditionally been funded by ad revenue. Um, and, you know, we hear over and over again that that's why papers are shuddering. Do you think... I guess I'm asking you to like solve the problem of playing in the industry (laughs) single-handedly, but uh, (laughs) like, do you think there are alternate funding models have appeared? I mean, everybody and their father has a Patreon account now. Yeah, I I think I think it's challenging. I mean, to your point earlier, like you know, I don't think people are going to get rich in local news. Like, I think the scale is very different. I mean, I think the scale for news in general is very different. Legacy media are grappling with the fact that they can, you know, they're still making money, but not enough money, not as much money. Not Mm -hmm. like, you know, that being the only game in town or getting having those dedicated audiences is a thing of the past. I think, you know, I think Halliburton's a good example of a healthy news environment, but I'm not sure that, you know, so the government has, um, the federal government has pledged $50 million for local news. And I think there's some concern because there haven't been details about where that money's going, who's getting it, is it going to go to, you know, larger news organizations, like, you know, corporate entities that are now like Mm -hmm. opening bureaus across Canada, or, you know, is it going to go to your smaller 
local news organizations, you know, who is going to make enough noise and who's going to be, you know, who's going to benefit the most. But I don't think I have an answer. Yeah, That's my long, my long-winded way That's of saying fair. that you're not going to get rich, but, um, you know, if you're able to fund it in small communities and keep the interest local, you're better off. Uh, a simple question. Why is local news important? Well, I think local news is it, – it's very interesting because um, – in the last week, we had that, uh, um, not not to go too far, not to take too much of a detour, but in the last week, we had that terrible um, shooting in Annapolis, which resulted in the deaths of five journalists. And I was talking to, I'm actually from Maryland, and I, I actually interned at the Capitol a long time ago. And um, I posted something on Facebook, like, you know, this is happening, and, and you know, I can see the newsroom kind of a thing. And I had, po- I had sort of tagged a few colleagues who had actually, like, journalism school colleagues, and we'd interned there together. And sort of we were thinking about how, when we started, the editor-in-chief, who was actually not in the newsroom when the incident happened last week, he was actually away at a conference, was actually our assigning editor when we started such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of remarking on, on how, like, it had gone from being a newsroom to being, like, you know, a, some offices in like a bigger building and it, it, you know physically the size of the newsroom had sort of gone down but the people who were sort of dedicated to actually putting out the news on a local you know and on a local level were still there you know were, were still showing up and those profiles of those journalists were so touching because they could be in any newsroom in many ways it was very universal so sort of talking about the importance of local news you know I think about the stories that I wrote when I was at the Capitol like you know I wrote about a new restaurant I wrote about a guy who ran a van service this was before Uber. And and I wrote about these very hyper-local things, but they were really important to a very connected group of people, a very committed group of people. And the loss that was sort of, you know, sort of felt last week was very much, I think, reverberated when people sort of realized that, well, no, my local newspaper has this impact on my life too. So I think it's, you know, not to, you know, not to draw tech back. I think it's important to recognize the place that that kind of journalism actually has. The Future of Local News Research and Reflections is available at futureoflocalnews.org. For Ryerson Today, I'm Will Sloan. Thanks for listening. To find out more, please visit our podcast page at ryerson.ca slash news hyphen events. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes. Please rate and review us on iTunes or contact us at ryersontoday at ryerson.ca with your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter at RyersonU and Facebook. For more campus news, visit ryerson.ca. This podcast was recorded at the Allen Slate Radio Institute at the RTA School of Media in the Faculty of Communication and Design.